This episode is sponsored by PuttView Books. These are some of the best yardage books out there. So whether you're headed to your next tournament at a course you've never played at, or you're just looking to get a little more info at your home course that you play every day, you're going to want to check these out. There's two cool things you need to know. One is the green maps. These are some really detailed info on the greens that you're headed into. So you know the slopes before you even get there. And you can look at the pin position and kind of understand what's going on. I really like the kind of heat map almost look that you can see. Really clear, really simple very useful. The other thing I like is some of the info that you get off the tee. So with the yardages to carry and then some of the rollout info as well. Plus what does the ground look like in the fairway? Which way are things going to run off as well? So really good info on both those things. Clear, well-designed. Design is important to me and I like the design of these quite a bit. So you're going to check these out, puttviewbooks.com, over 30,000 courses worldwide. I bet they're going to have what you're looking for when you plug in that golf course. You're definitely going to check these out, puttviewbooks.com, so you're more prepared the next tournament you're headed into. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. Joining me now on the Tour Coach Podcast, joining me on this long ride, my was turned into a 16-hour ride with my dog down to the Keys and not to my house, is Dana Dahlquist, and he for sure is the epitome of the Tour Coach, one of the nicest guys out there. He's had tremendous success, worked with a bunch of great players. Dana, thanks for sitting there with me, and uh, appreciate it. I've enjoyed the opportunities over the last couple of years to talk with you a little bit and get to know you more, and looking forward to doing that more. Uh, you're doing a hell of a job out there. I know you're busy. Well, I try to keep up with you, Tony. How are you, how are you doing? <laughs> well, you're you're going to get behind, man. Let me tell you. But no, you put uh, put great stuff out there on Instagram. And one thing I always tell folks when they and I want your I, I think I know what you'll say. But everybody's like, oh man, go to tour events, teach tour players. It's cool, man. That's got to be great. And I'm like, it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks. <laughs> that is very true. That's very true. It's um, I mean, we you and I've been doing this for a while, and I, I think. The longer I do it, the more I realize that, you know, for somebody to make any change or significant improvement, we got to do things away from a tournament. And I think that's probably like the, the older I get, the more the realization is I'm just going to stay home and do this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's just it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, you and I are probably on the road a lot. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. And uh, I just think it's, it's an interesting situation because, you know, there's not a whole lot that we can really do at a tournament outside of the fact of like to, you know, bring support to the table. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, my personality is way much less like in a tournament. Like I don't like to introduce new stuff at all, right? And I know there's teachers that probably maybe a little more risky at that. Chris Como and I've talked about where he said sometimes he thinks it's worth it. I mean, I don't know. I, I I've never had much success trying something at a tournament. 
you know? Yeah. And yeah. I've had more success seeing a guy that it wasn't great, but making him feel like he was doing it great. <laughs> and yeah. he believed in himself and go, you know, make some putts and get some stuff going. So, you know, yeah, the longer I do it, the more I like working away from a tournament. You know, it's just hard. You know, it's hard. And because there's lots of distractions, too. They've got they've got family coming out or they've got their girlfriend coming out and they want to do that stuff. And, yeah. you know, I, I will say that the COVID thing kind of did reduce distractions a little bit because there were less people out there. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's um, – now, this obviously falls – and this is me personally. I'm not talking about uh-huh. you, but, like, it's an interesting one because – Every year, I think it kind of falls back to that whole scenario where, you know, I have kind of like a perfect mindset as far as what I'd love to see in a perfect world of how a golf swing should look and everything. And, boy, it becomes an interesting puzzle when somebody's been out there for so long doing things uniquely that it's it's, it's just very interesting to watch how – a preconceived narrative of, oh, well, I did this in 1982 and therefore it works now. And it's pretty obvious. I mean, you and I would look at it and go, well, it's pretty obvious you weren't doing that in 1982, but you know, it's because we couldn't measure anything like we do now. But yeah, I just find it very interesting where now, I mean, we legitimately can say, well, there's no way that you actually did do that. Most of these younger guys coming up are far more orthodox in many, many ways than, you know, the guys, at least in my generation, you know, the guys in their forties. And I think that's a little bit, it kind of, it kind of curtails the, the, the issues, but yeah, it's just, it's just fascinating where, you know, I, I had a kid come out the other day. He was a very nice young man. He's a good player, beautiful golf swing. And it was neat because he knew all of his, he knew everything that he needed to know about his, his spin loft and his launch angles, landing angles and, everything. It was great. And I go, well, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, right. what, what do I need to do? <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting one. So yeah, I think, I think the big thing, Tony, is just if we could literally do our job at home and then not do as much on the tournament weeks, I think that's the way things should go, or maybe they will go. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. In fact, I said to Lucas this week, I said, you know, I'm like it, the players, you had one of the best range sessions I've seen in the five years I've worked with you, right? Mm-hmm. And then he made the cut. He played okay, but he and he had, you know, but he started off not great. And he had one day he striped it, and but, you know, I was like, I mean, I, I'm, a, I don't know that there's any reason for me to be there on Wednesday. Like you should be yeah. ready to go by this. You know, that yeah. kind of was my thinking, and like, you know, it was nice. Like this week, like had a real nice session just alone on a Monday because there was nobody there, you know? Yeah. I think that, like, trying to find those times seems to be more important than than others. And, and what I've tried to do is I'm fortunate that I've got a veteran and then i got a couple young guys. You know, I've tried to get the veteran for them to play together because I think they can all learn something from each other, like, you you know, yeah. but they all have different strengths. So, you know, to me, like, that's the best thing to do at a tournament week is to walk and watch them on the golf course. But I mean, I just yeah, I'm. I don't do a lot of swing work or make very many suggestions, and unless yeah. you know it's a panic mode where a guy's hitting it awful, and I, you know, I don't know that many of us have much success putting that. There's going to be teachers that claim that they do, but I, I, I don't yeah. see it all. 
Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I have actually a question for you about that. So how responsive are the younger guys to Lucas? Because that was actually something before you even mentioned it. Do the younger players, because Lucas is probably my age or so, and he's been out there for a long time. He's been highly successful. He's, you know, one of the nicest guys out there. So are the younger guys responsive to, you know, like that, that amount of wisdom? I mean, do they ask good mine, questions? Mine are, you know, and in fact, we joke. I call him King okay? Okay. And, like, you know, Monday we were doing some work, and I said, uh, I'm kind of pitching in and helping Brady Riggs out a little with Brandon Hagee because yeah. I'm on the road more than Brady, and he's in Hawaii a bunch. And, you know, I was – I said, hey, do you mind? Let's all play together in the morning. Yeah. You know, so he shoots Robbie Shelton and Brady at Brandon at text and puts it all together and we play play two yeah. holes together. And you know, and then at Honda, you know, Robbie's really struggled as of late and I feel like he's turning a corner, but you know, I feel like he got caught maybe chasing distance and listening to a lot of stuff and we've yeah. kinda of gotten this where we've gone back to trying to do what he did when he played really good golf in college and and yeah. uh it was great. Like we're on the range kinda of struggling at Honda Lucas just stepped in and took over the whole lesson. I didn't really talk for 45 minutes. Beautiful. Beautiful. And he was like, look, you can't play out here doing this. Yeah. And you need to do this. And, you know, it was interesting. So back to your point was we're walking off. And, you know, Robbie said, like, man, it's great to have a veteran willing to step in and tell you that. That's great. That's really great. It's it's funny you say that because, yeah, well, it's interesting because there was a – when – when we well not we but when the tour was at Court of Ball, Lucas mm-hmm. was on the putting green and there was some chatter about are any of the younger guys talking to guys that have been out there and Lucas was one of the guys that was there on the putting green and yeah he he did find it kind of puzzling that it wasn't done more often and I think I mean I, I you know my idols growing up would be like you know Davis Love and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Fred Couples and Nick Faldo. And I could just imagine if I was a 19, 20, 21, you know, going onto the driving range and seeing those guys there, you know, I would try to wait by the first tee, you know, and hopefully get a game. <laughs> but you know, to that point, you mentioned Davis. So, you know, there was some point a year or two ago, and, you know, I think Lucas and I were, you know, we were right going to dinner or something down at a tournament, or maybe it was down in South Florida. And, Mm-hmm. I thanked him for doing it. You know, I was like, man, I just appreciate it because it makes my job easier. And I, I love watching my young guys grow as people yeah. and as players. And and he said, well, man, he's like, all I'm doing is what Davis and you know those guys did for me. And he's like, yeah. you know, Davis did that to me when I was coming out. And and I, and I think that that's a cool thing about the game that we're in is that yeah, uh, you know, there's a portion of them that that feel like carrying it on. And I, I had. I'm not bored, but I have my young tour players do the same thing with my college players. Oh, that's really good. You know? And yeah. because, like, it's like, you know, because, like, they were the college player at one time that needed help. And sure. and then you get college players to do it to your juniors. And, like, I think that's the cool thing about the game that we're in, and it can help people. And I, I think, you know, I'd love your thoughts on this, but – and. I think it does as much for the veteran player because I got to think that being out there for 17, 18 years playing and you, you know, make money and you're playing for money and the redundancy of it, and, you know, at times probably is hollow and, and gets tiring. And, but to have a chance to do something where you can help somebody and it probably makes 
you feel as, them feel as good as the guy they're helping. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, cool. And I think the cool. same in teaching, too. I think, like, you know, I like I mean, at, uh, you know, it's the American Express. I mean, I was sitting, at a, I was sitting there having, you know, probably something unhealthy I was eating, but I was sitting there, <laughs> and, and I was sitting there, and, you know, Chuck Cook's walks up for he said and I walked up and we sat there and you know I started showing him videos of somebody. Yeah. And then he yeah. walked he walked eighteen he walked eighteen holes I think Robbie played with Andrew Landry and he was like, Man, here's kinda he goes, Man, I love it. But here's kinda what it's like. I, I you know, I I like you know, I, I like that part of what we do. And and yeah. you know, yeah. the ability to call you, text you and say, hey, I know you're busy, you mind hopping on because I'm gonna learn something from talking to you today. Well, that's kind of the cool part, and I know there's people that don't do it, and I know there's people, and we won't mention names, that think they're too cool and too smart to talk to us. But yeah, but, you know, those are the. But you know, I think, but I think you can learn a lot by doing that. Yeah, that's that's the one part. There's, I mean, I could name them. I don't need to, but yeah, that the guy. Well, he's ready to show, but yeah, <laughs> right. So, but that's the cool thing where. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. On I think it was in St. Louis, there was a rain delay in the morning. We're all in the caddy lounge, and uh, you know, Butch is in there, Pete. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting with guy, Robert Rock. Yeah. T- who else? Liam. All the European guys. So the European coaches, and I'm sitting there, and they're you know, essentially all kind of from the same school. They're all like ma- originally Macro Grady guys. So, and it was funny because. I think uh, there was a, another Mac guy that I think I can say it, say it now is Matt Belsham was there, but because he's not in anymore. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at, the, at the time, <laughs> there was a, a caddy walk by. And he goes, "Well, I'm gonna take a picture." And <laughs> you should have seen Matt's face. Like, "Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. But that's what they were doing. They were, um, you know, Fleetwood's coach was there too. We're all sitting, and I remember, I think it was somebody was working with. Uh, this kid Tim who plays on the uh, European tour and we're just passing the phone around just looking at the film. <laughs> Isn't that cool though? Yeah, that's the way it should be. That's really the way it should be. You know, you know but... I mean, I've, I've, I've gone twice to observe Butch teach a golf school uh-huh. and you know, it's well, it's still like I guess I've done two years in a row. COVID pushed it one of them back, but like it's still one of the cooler things I've gone and done teaching, even with all the things I've been lucky to do. And yeah. you know, last time I get to the end, it's the end of the school. I'm gonna fly back that next morning early, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to find the right time to ask, you know, because you know yeah. you've been teaching all day. And I said, hey, you mind looking at these couple videos? And he was like, no. I mean, it was like no. Pull your phone out. And I showed him an Andy Ogletree video, and I showed him a Robbie Shell video, and you know, I, and, and I, and it was cool for me. And, and I mean, he, you know, he seemed to be cool with it. And, and heck, you know what though? Like my players, when I went to him and said, "Hey, you know, we kind of struggling with them," I, I think they appreciated that. You know, yeah. they're like, "I'm not too, uh, I don't know, you know, you're not too proud to go think you know everything and to ask for help." Sure. Yeah. Well, this is that weird profession where. You know, if you look at the medical field, you know, people will actually talk to other doctors about certain procedures or whatnot. I mean, it's just inherently common. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's fear of loss or whatnot, people tend to, you know, shy away from that. And, you know, we're all we're all good at certain things. I know I'm not, I don't necessarily teach putting, let's say, or chipping or, 
things of that nature. Not saying I can't, but you know, I tend to defer that. And but for the regular player, I'll give them a putting lesson. But if it's just somebody who's making a living at it, and I know somebody who's better at it than me, then I'll defer it. And you know, I think that's highly important. And I don't think that if we don't, you know, react properly in the long run, it won't work out for the player. And I, that's that's what we have to understand. So no question about it. No, I, I agree. Well, when you talk about like you, you kind of touched on like, hey, you know, we have the ability to, you know, measure, and we know we all we know what we think would be our ideal. So what are the what are the traits? You know, if you had like a you know if you had a piece of clay that's a, a golfer, a young player that's you know no physical limitations, he's strong as hell, going to be able to pound it. What are the things that like you would instill in that player as far as like a golf swing? What are the things you like? Well, I think number one, you know, there's an yeah. for me to learn. Okay. Yeah, Just, uh, yeah. So I'm kind of favorable, partial to a fair kind of a centered looking swing that that could be interpreted in many ways. It doesn't mean that the player is not moving mass around, but I, I think that gets, you know, if we go on the internet armchair category where guys go, they lose their minds on stuff. But I think inherently a pretty centered looking golf swing. I think it's easier for me to self-correct that player than somebody who has unique things going on as far as the movement. Right. And it's particularly right. when, a player goes through their transition and, you know, everything's kind of on top of each other. So that's kind of the number one thing I look for is if a player from P4 to P5 that they're, you know, kind of kind of in a, a recentered position per se and right. that their pressure is left at that point so that they're able to rotate, push back and all that kind of good stuff. So that's kind of the the, the number one thing as far as like, you know, particular hand path options. I think, and I have both sides of the spectrum. I have guys that are lower. I have guys that are higher. But if you said, hey, to mold it, you know, we would tend to be a little bit more where the hands are just slightly above the turn shoulder plane, let's just say. So not under it, not like Hogan necessarily, but slightly above, maybe like a Fleetwood or Adam Scott type hand path. And then I think the other piece is that a player is able to you know, have, I would say, the, the the least amount of rate of closure on the face. So that does bring in a little bit more of a complex conversation. But as far as not having the club face rotate about itself in a haphazard yeah. way, like th- th- those are like the main things. And from there, you know, it turns into more of a vanity thing. You know, sure. I, I don't think that Beyond that point, I mean, I have some players that, you know, might have a little more bowed wrist, some players that play from an extended wrist, but they tend to match those things up. But just some neutrality in there is a good thing. Right. And yeah. And as far as impact dynamics with a driver, it's all relative to speed. So I tend to have most my guys tend to stay about one to two up. If they're players, if they're longer driver guys, they're hitting six, seven up. If they're a female player, they're between two to four. And all within the context of still having a pretty stable axis of rotation. So they're not, you know, people think hitting up, they're going to tilt back and swing out. Like that's not in the program. So, but that in all essence is kind of what we're kind of looking for, at least on my end of the spectrum. I love that. And I mean, I I wanted to hear that because you've had tremendous success and guys play their ass off. And, and, you know, we come from different 
sides and different. I just wanted to see how it compared, you know. And, yeah, uh, but I would imagine yeah. you're pretty close to the same from what I've seen yeah, with your teeth. I like it. I like it centered, pretty centered, right? Um, yeah. You know, doesn't mean I don't have some guys get more pressure behind it. You know, I've done some of that. You know, I've done a, you know, I've done a fair amount of stuff with Dr. Lynn, Dr. Scott yeah. Lynn, and he's kind of a big part. But like. When they test those people that are way more left side, like for a right-handed player, I kind of yeah. tell them like, "I'm not really going to do that." <laughs> you know, they guess that. You know, like I still like them centered, but a little bit more behind it. And yeah. you know, for me, I don't talk about rate of closure much because I mean, yeah, it's just not my lingo. But like yeah. I, I always talk about, I, to me, guys that are really good players have a real quiet club face going through the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and I use Lucas as an example. Um, like he hits a pretty big draw, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you show a kid on video who's a good player, but that face is kind of flinging through there, uh-huh. like you show Lucas is hitting a bigger draw than that kid, but the face isn't flinging over there all the way. Right. You know? Right. And so, yeah, I would I'd say we have, and, you know, like yeah, I've got guys that draw it more, and I've got guys that fade it. But, you know, if I was putting a perfect player together, it would be. You know, I like a good hip turn into the right hip, you know, if mm-hmm. they're able to do that. Um, yep. And a center pivot and, you know, and, and a quiet face going through. And then, you know, like, uh, and then kind of go from there, you know, with what yeah. they're able to do and what they already do, you know. It frustrates me when I see some kids. I've had some kids that come to me and, you know, kids are decent little. And everybody, you know, kid had a shitty grip and a real, bent, you know, shut face at the top. And they just told him didn't change it because well Dustin Johnson's does that. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, well that's you know what I'm saying like you see that yeah. right? And I'm not picking yeah. on some teachers, but like, well this kid ain't Dustin Johnson. Like, yeah. And I would yeah. smarter if I think if DJ came to me, I wouldn't try to change him. But yeah. like this kid with a and DJ doesn't have a shitty grip. <laughs> you know exactly. So. Um, you know, so it's interesting. I mean, I was just curious what, what you thought. What about influences? Who who are your big influences on your teaching? Well, I mean, early on, obviously, O'Grady. And, you know, I spent a fair time with Bobby Laskin, who's, you know, still a good friend. And, you know, here in Long Beach, we have other teachers, Jamie Mulligan. And mm-hmm. um, so I spent a little time around him. But I think those are like the early on ones. And, you know, lately, you know, the past, like, gosh, how many years is this? I'd say like, let's say 12 years of teaching tour caliber type players, you know, had a stint there with Mike and Andy, the stack and tilt guys, which is kind of a divergence yep. from Morad. And then okay. Chris Como, Quan, Mike Duffy, you know, Scott, another guy. That's more like in the biomechanics world. And what's interesting, yep. and this is just where my brain goes with things is like how to mold what I did when I was, you know, under Morad into what's going on with current science and then trying to dumb it down into a way that's usable. And that's always been kind of the plight because, you know, I'm not inherently what I would consider to be a smart guy. Like I don't try to do that. I try to make sure that, that I'm relatable at least. And I think what's important is that when we start getting into, you know, graphs and stuff, it just doesn't correlate over to, you know, the people we talk to. And I think that's where things have gotten a, a heck of a lot better. But even yeah. TrackMan, I mean, when TrackMan came out and we're using on the range, people look at us like, well, you're crazy because, you know, this is really complex. Well, 
you know, they 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 even dumbed it, they dumbed it down when they took VSP and made it swing plane, and HSP made it swing direction, and they started making it more usable for us and players so that they can perform better. And right. at the end of the day, it's it's ironic to you know now go on Instagram and probably what is the most coveted videos that people like are watching you know Bob Goldby and you know old swings of Gary Hallberg. And what they what they did, and see how relevant it is. You know, I think that's what's really cool. So, you know, at the end of the day, golf is golf. You only need to plot it around the golf course and make better space and make more putts. And at least in our world, it's you know, it, it sounds you know, Tony, you and I are looking for someone's things, but we just communicate it differently. Right, and Absolutely. that's what's awesome. That's what the beauty of teaching is to me, you know, and, and I think you know, that's why I wanted to, I, you know, it, it, sometimes I do these podcasts because like I'll bring on somebody I know people want to hear. Sometimes yeah. I bring somebody on because I want to know more about you because you're successful and, and I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you a few times out there. And I think you can always learn from people that are successful at what they do. And, you know, just think it's, you know, it's kind of one of the cool things. Like I, you know, I came up under Hank Johnson, who was a great, you know, he's a top 50 guy, big golf digest teacher, and mm-hmm. Tom Ness and Mark Wood and Wayne Glenn. And they, you know, they were kind of more golf machine guys. Yeah, and yeah. But the same type of path like you talked about. So now I find myself using, you know, Colby Touye, who's a great fitness guy out there. And, yeah. and then using Dr. Scott Lynn and trying to figure out how to use the stuff that they're doing and having success and make that make right. sense with what I learned how to do. Yeah. Yeah, Colby's got a pretty impressive stable, doesn't he? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'll yeah. say, like, I tell people all the time, he's been the biggest influence on my teaching in the last three, four, five years. Oh, and that's awesome. Because he's helped me, he's helped me make people better teaching the stuff I like to teach away right. from the golf ball, where they're doing stuff with bands and different things. That he's helped me kind of expand my ways to help people. That's awesome. And, and it's been cool, and I've learned a lot. And it's been fun kind of taking Scott Lynn and him and putting them in a room together because you've got a tune ass from Louisiana, and then you got a, you know, and then you got a scientist from Canada, and then you got a fat Italian guy all in the room trying to figure it out, you know, <laughs> and, and coming from different perspectives. So it's it's been interesting, you know, doing that. You know, all of those guys have been really cool, like teaching juniors and developing young people is what I love to do most. And to, to have them be able to come to like a place like Frederica and spend time with 16-year-olds that are trying to get good is kind of a cool deal. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. Another question I'm going to ask you, like, you know, you talked about like you do better, you, you know, you, we do better with them if we were doing it off the road. Do you get tired of the traveling and do you think, you think we can eventually get players to understand that we don't need to be out there as much? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there is a business model to to be out there, and I think that inherently needs to change. I think, you know, if we go back to this look at the Jack Grout scenario, right? Jack was Jack did just fine without Jack. So um, he did okay. Yeah, he did okay. So I think we tend to two two things occur. Either we feel like we're gonna lose a player because they're not going to have the insight to do something to the last someone else. That's inherently true, and I'll say it. But the second part is that we either didn't communicate enough in the offseason or make a precedent that the player needs to be in the offseason and we need to be with them at some point in time, and then set up a, uh, a conceptual framework of an idea that the player needs to develop. So whether it be practice routines or something mechanical or 
you know, even something as simple as like, hey, you're doing a change to your equipment, you need to do that also in the off-season. So you try to correlate the two. Like if you're successful hitting one driver for an entire season or two seasons, and then you're going to switch drivers mid-season, that's kind of a problem. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't really work. And therefore, the instruction side should be kind of held in the same regard. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. But you see you know, a driver change, a putter change, a wedge change, an iron change. Oh, we're going to switch teachers. And it just gets, you know, nothing ever gets to become solidified to the fact that I can perform at a high enough level. So that's what's kind of unique about the position we're in is at some point that needs to, in my mind, at least happen. But I think because of the ease of access and everybody saying yes to everybody, it becomes, you know, too easy to go to a, a range at a tour event, you know, week in and week out. So, I, and some guys just like having somebody there. You know, I, I understand that. But I think in my regard, you know, heck, I'm busy at home. And, you know, you know, given six to eight less of a day here, is a really benefit for me or a benefit for the player? I don't yeah. know. That's the head scratcher. So, I don't know. Uh, what's your thought on that? Well, I think that originally, I think it's like when you first go out, it's the fear that if you don't go out there, and they struggle, they're going to listen to somebody else, and then you're going to get fired, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and then I think, I mean, I certainly fell into that, and, and yeah. then I think it's like you become a victim of your own deal. Of You're out there so much, they kind of expect you to be out there, then you don't know how the hell to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But I agree. I mean, I'm on board 100%. I don't know that, I mean, I think there's times it's really good to be out there, and yeah. I think you can do some good. But as far as like what you and I really love to do, which is teaching them, and so I, I don't know that we do a ton of teaching there. I think we do coaching. I don't know that yeah. we do very much teaching when we're at yeah. Agreed. Yeah, hundred percent. And that and that's that's you know, <laughs> be fair, Tony. That's not all, that wasn't my forte ten years ago. <laughs> right. I was I was trying to problem solve and not coach and. So learning lessons on probably both sides as far as the player, you know, listening or the, or the teacher teaching. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you kind of learn the hard way. But and I, I think I'm the exact opposite. I think, by, you know, I heard somebody comment about me and it, yeah, it kind of insulted me at first. It was like, oh, I have great soft skills and great at communicating and great at coaching. I kind of took that as I wasn't very good at the X's and O's and all of that. Uh, you know, learned that like you can't be great at everything, right? And, and yeah. so I've surrounded myself with people that are better at that. And and I think that I'm obviously more than adequate. And I I'm always trying to learn. Amen. <laughs> and I think that's also why there's some teams of people that work well together. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, this has been fun. One, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy at home. Yeah, Two, kudos on all the success. Thank you, and yourself included. And uh, we need to go have a beer or something sometime when we're out there. Absolutely. 